Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your solo host for this episode, Mr. Richard Geiger. Ken is on sabbatical in Nicaragua. And because of that, we will be doing a handful of movie reviews. Now, let me tell you real quick here, we're going to do two movie reviews in one episode. I know that's a lot. We got a lot going on here, but just we'll just muscle through it. In the past, we've done movie reviews. We've done Ken's movie, movie reviews. You know, it's a whole little sub-channel, if you will. Uh, our main, we've done a lot of reviews. Um, most recently, I want to say we've done Multiverse of Madness, as we speak, now available on Disney+, Plus. if you did not know that. Uh, you could go right on there, watch that picture show. If you haven't seen it, I would strongly suggest that you watch the most recent Spider-Man movie first. If you haven't seen any of the Disney Plus series, that's okay. I think you'll get a little bit extra out of watching what happened with the very first series on Disney Plus. And it goes over the relationship between Wanda, Vision, and a couple other things. So check that out. Check out Spider-Man. Then watch Multiverse of Madness. But on to the reviews. This episode, we're going to be reviewing a couple of movies that are, I want to say, new, but not necessarily in theaters. Although one is, but one's kind of... anyway. The first one we're going to go over is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Interesting. The second one we will be reviewing is The Northman. The Northman? The Northman. Nor Northman. It's got North and Man and they're squeezed together into one word. Anyway, if you are interested in being able to watch the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie... Here's an interesting thing. It's a Sony movie, kind of like Spider-Man and Morbius and Carnage. A lot of Sony movies. Now, does Sony have a streaming service? No, they don't. How can you watch these movies without purchasing them? Well, if you've got a little patience and you can wait and you have a subscription to Stars, inevitably these things are going to show up on Stars. That is how I was able to watch Carnage. That is how I was able to watch Afterlife. Uh, it's actually part of our Amazon Prime subscription. I think it can be added for like five or six bucks. The reason that we have it, I think, revolves around a show. Maybe it's Outlander, I want to say. I don't watch it. But because we have it, now I can watch all these Sony pictures that are coming out and you know, once a month or so. Uh, you could obviously purchase this. Now, in, in terms of the spoilery, spoiler review, spoiler-free review, I would simply tell you, wait for it to stream. It's a cool movie. If you are really nostalgic, nostalgic about the original Ghostbusters films, it, it's going to have more meaning to you for sure. But if you are just a casual fan of the original Ghostbusters movies, 
if you can watch it on Stars, cool. If you can pick it up on Redbox, cool. If you can rent it via a streaming media and it's a couple bucks to rent, cool. But if you're if you're like casual and you want to rent it for six bucks, uh, I, I would pass. I would wait on it. Now, here's what I can say about this particular movie. And I'm going to base this off of discussions I've had with other people that pertain to Stranger Things. In terms of what I have watched, Stranger Things is not among them. But in the reviews and the discussions that we have on our podcast, you might be wondering, well, that seems right up your alley. And kind of, yes, it does. I just haven't watched it. But I've had a lot of folks kind of compare my description of this movie to how Stranger Things would work. Uh, or it and this movie and Stranger Things. Because the real stars in these movies are going to be the the kids. The younger actors and actresses putting their faces on screen. And honestly doing a really good job in, in presenting their characters. Uh, which gives me confidence to go and watch Stranger Things. It's hard at this point because when if you watched it from series one from the beginning and caught up with all the episodes, everything was a surprise. Well, now with the internet like it is, nothing's a surprise. So it's not that exciting for me to want to watch that, but I eventually will get to it. Anyway, we're talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, as usual... When we do a movie review, we will break those reviews in down into a, a couple different categories. The cast, the director, locations, props, cinematography, and plot. Each one have a score totaling 20 points, 20 points, 20 points, 10 points, 20 points. The total adds up to 100 points, and we get a score similar to a grade. If it comes out to be a 75, well, guess what? You got a C on the movie, and that ain't half bad. We're going to stick to that grading scale for both of these movies, and we'll go into a little bit of discussion about a handful of things, but, you know, not too crazy. We don't have all day to discuss these. You guys don't have all day to listen to me yammer on about nonsense. So, uh, we'll get to it with the Ghostbusters review. Now, if you had not seen the original Ghostbusters movies, um, what are you doing? Anyway, it would serve you. It would serve you best if you had seen the original movies. So you got a little idea on what the whole story, what the characters were based on. Uh, in terms of the review, we'll go right down the list and we'll we'll keep it pretty consistent. We'll start with the cast, we'll move to the director, we'll finish with the plot, you know, and everything in between. So let's look at the cast. In terms of the original movies, there was a powerhouse cast, right? You got all the big names at the time. Uh, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, Annie Potts, Ernie Hudson. I, I mean, it, it was a... Very, very powerful allotment of actors and actresses for the time. What did we get for for this set? We actually got some pretty strong uh, characters here. If, if you look at who's billed on here, we got Carrie Coon. Now, you may recognize the name Carrie Coon, and maybe you've seen her in a few things, but maybe, just maybe, you recognize 
the name, and then you would recognize the voice as Proxima Midnight from the Avengers series of movies. But she did great. Uh, Paul Rudd, everybody's favorite Paul Rudd. Look at us. We've got we've got two Marvel actors in a row right here. Uh, Paul Rudd's in it, and uh, he did great too. You know, he's just kind of that lighthearted character that he is in most anything, and he plays it well in this one as a seism seism can person. Uh, he looks at stuff happening as the earth rumbles in this movie. Uh, and he teaches part-time during summer school. Then you got a couple of the children's popping up here. Now, always my hesitation with something like Stranger Stranger Things was if the, act, if the, if the cast is loaded with 12-year-olds, how good are they going to be? And we've seen that they can be really good. Uh, I'll go back to multi, Multiverse of Madness. You know, you look at Sochiel. She's pretty young, and she did great in that movie. So I got to have more confidence in these young pups when they come onto these shows. But uh, one of them on the billing is Finn Wolfhard. Am I supposed to know this person? If you've watched Stranger Things, yes. If you've watched it, yes. But I had no idea who this person was. And honestly, did a great job. Uh, now, here's the top secret one for this one. McKenna Grace. Um, I hadn't seen her or n known anything that she had done previous to this, but she, you know, she'd been in a handful of things and she's a young pup. Uh, I, 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 when this one was filmed, because there was a lot of things that delayed this movie, although it was released very recently, I think the thing was filmed and finished years ago. It's just gone through the nightmare of COVID and delays and finally has been released but at this point as I'm doing this review she is 16 so probably when she was doing this movie she was 14 13 and she played the character very well in this movie so the the the, the top kind of build actors actresses uh all were pretty solid you had a few a few more kids thrown in there too to kind of round out the cast with some spot appearances here and there. Uh, Logan, Kim, Celeste O'Connor. Uh, the thing that that was really kind of cool, uh, you had a lot of those original characters that showed back up again. And it was in, in certain roles and, and certain, certain aspects of how or why they showed up. And, you know, one of the things... One of the things about this, too, is that not everybody is still alive from the original cast. Uh, and you see kind of that dedication piece. Uh, Harold Ramis is no longer with us. He passed away a few years ago. But they kind of dedicated, in a certain sense, this movie. And there's there's things at the end that kind of show that they're kind of calling back to him, being a really big part of their life, big part of these movies. But in terms of who showed their face again in real life, Harold shows up again in a digital form as a ghost. It's kind of cheesy. I'll get into that later. But Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd uh, showed up again, and they're they're, they're looking kind of old and grizzled. I'm sorry. 
It's not a big thing to say, but they were okay. Ernie Hudson, he was fine. Uh, Annie Potts, Annie Potts was great. She showed up in the movie too. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, always great. She just kind of, her, her face just kind of showed up there real quick. Uh, J.K. Simmons even makes an appearance. Uh, so there, there's a lot of those, a lot of those people, places, faces that you, you were definitely familiar with when you watch this movie. Uh, overall, the cast did a pretty solid job. I, I can't say that anybody was amazing McKenna Grace was pretty good but overall is a pretty solid cast and the most the most disappointing performances if you will were the ones that you should have trusted and the ones from the original cast when they showed up it was just kind of it made the movie cheesier and, and worse so that's kind of a bad thing to say but it's the truth uh, so cast out of 20 points a total of 16 is what I went with. Cool. Okay, next up is the director. Now, there's a reason why there's this director is kind of attached to this movie, I want to say. Jason Reitman. Why is he in this movie? I think his father had a little something to do with the original Ivan, right? So, it, and he passed away very recently just a couple months ago actually but uh, he was he was the director from the original ghostbusters so it made sense for you know the young one to take the reins for this particular show uh the movie itself i think the parts were put together fine and you'll you'll see if you watch this or if you have watched it the pacing is fine the actual movie and the things coming together are fine. Uh, but the movie just kind of, the first half of the movie is great. The second half of the movie is just kind of meh. And, and part of that's got to do with the plot. Part of that's got to do with the writing. Part of that's got to do with the directing. So he's got to take the blame on some of the stuff. And honestly, like I said, some of it was kind of, kind of cheesy and, the way things move around and why they're here and why they're there. It's okay. Like the, the movie as a whole is okay. It's really, it's, it's honestly not bad. I make it sound like the movie's kind of not good, but it was doing so well at the first half that when the second half rolled around, it just kind of lost a lot of momentum and it doesn't look like it should, especially with the events happening. It just kind of got a little bit more predictable and dull towards the end. Let, let's just put it that way. Uh, if you're familiar, or maybe you're not familiar with Jason Reitman, he's done a handful of things. Um, Juno from a few years ago might be one that you're a little bit more familiar with, but also he did direct it, direct a, a few episodes of The Office, and he's been some he's been doing some Saturday Night Live items and just a miscellaneous set of shows here and there. I, I feel like people are familiar with him. It's just that he hasn't done a whole lot of things. And I mean, I, I I feel like he's done way more than what he's being credited for. So maybe I'm just missing something here. But in terms of the direction that the movie goes, in like I said, the pacing and the difference in contrast from the front to the back, I gave the director a solid 15 score out of 20. Okay, next we have locations. 
sometimes that's an exciting one. I've got a top secret review coming up here for one of the new Bond movies that just hit Amazon Prime. If you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, I'm going to do a review for No Time to Die. And I'm telling you, the locations in that are a hit. So locations can have a real big impact on the look and the feel in the movie. Now, in this one, you're kind of in the dust bowl in a certain sense. So the look and the feel of this movie isn't going to be spectacular by any sense. You have uh, a house that's run down and decrepit in the middle of a dusty field. Real exciting. That's kind of the point of this movie. If you watch it, um, he's, uh, he's trying to be secluded. So the reason that you want to be secluded and in the Dust Bowl is so the ghosts can't come and get you, right? Oh, you thought the ghosts were gone? <laughs> oh, no, my friend. And the 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 reason that the locations, and, and they don't really move around too much. Like, okay, so we're at a school. It starts off in... It starts off in, you know, the big city, but uh, mom and daughter, they don't have the monies and they're struggling. So uh, that's because they don't have a good relationship with dad. So then dad passes away and now they got to go to where dad had the decrepit house in the land and because they have no money and they have no place to stay. OK, that's part of the plot. We'll get to that later. But what I'm saying is big city, dust bowl, uh, some caves. That's about it. That's kind of how the the show went, right? It's not it's not that the locations were bad. There weren't that many of them, and where they were, the locations were fine. It's just the movie kind of it kind of predicated that there were just a couple of places that you were gonna go. So I, I can't really touch on this too much, just because there wasn't a whole lot to harp on or to praise. Uh, but what I'll go with in terms of the score on this one for locations is an 8 out of 10. Next up, we have the props. Props. You have a lot of the classic look and feel of all the gear from the original Ghostbusters movies. You know, like the traps and the proton packs. And you have the original hearse, right, that had the that had the whole setup. And if you're driving the hearse and you flip the switch, well, then the seat pops out and you can gun down ghosts as you're driving down the road. Cool, right? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, cool. I feel like they did some slight redesign on the equipment so that it did, it was supposed to look the same, but it looked different. So I, I did take issue a bit with that, but only because you have to do it and it's not it's not a bad thing i just it's okay for things to look like from their 80s because these things were from the 80s and if they're old and decrepit and they don't look really good and they look like they're from the 80s that's okay you don't have to fancy them up too much right uh and they didn't but they did make them look a little bit different that's kind of the, the biggest take on on what i had but in terms of, okay, you're in the house and the house looks bad and there's furniture and there's things that all those things fit. Uh, if there were toys and there weren't that many, if there were toys, if there were tools, if there are utilities, utensils, those look fine. You know, you go into the top secret lab that was hidden 
underneath the dirt. And there was tons of things in that lab that looked old. Fine. That, that's perfect. They should look old. Uh, so nothing looked out of place. Uh, everything made sense. Nothing looked cheesy. Yeah, well, okay, maybe you got into the cave. And that's more of a cinematography thing. But uh, the actual props themselves, they looked fine. Like nothing to wow you, but nothing to disappoint you either. So on the props, I gave the score a solid 8 out of 10. Okay, next up we have the cinematography. Okay, what, what? the cinematography has a lot of things, right? You, you can say the camera went to this angle and showed this stuff. Or cinematography, cinematography as we grade it could be there were fight scenes and people were battling and they looked like they did weekend karate and never really trained for more than an hour to do any of their stunts. Or it could be there was a lot of CGI in this and it looked really bad or it looked excellent. So we're going to kind of combine the cinematography uh, elements into one big chunk. Now in this particular one, I'm really, really more going to focus on all of the CGI that we saw. And the CGI was fine. In terms of what the ghosts and the creatures looked like, they were cool. They were fun. They didn't look out of place. They didn't look great. They didn't look awful at all. I think when you look at the original one, right, it just had a different look. You only had certain things that you can do with special effects in those original movies. But in this one, you, you, you still they were they were still creatures and they still had to have a presentation that looked and felt like they did 40 years ago. So in, in terms of what the the ghosts and the entities look like, they were fine. They were great. They can't be too great because they don't match the same look and feel of the original. But in terms of what they were, they were okay. I, you know, I just took issue with some of the coloring, some of the look and feel of some of the like explosions, some of the, the blast that you got. And in terms of paying homage to the previous cast and in terms of looking back on what the cast was like. And remember I said there was a couple of these folks that had passed away and in terms of Spengler, uh, Dr. Egon Spengler. Well, I guess they can more pronounce it like Spangler, don't they? So they, they take the, the A sound into the E. Anyway, you can pronounce however you'd like to. But it revolves around um, that character and daughter and then granddaughter. Super smart, right? Uh, so was the granddaughter. Hmm, weird. But at the end, you see a, what I'd like to call very cheesy, oh, I love you, I miss you type of moment. And he is all CGI'd up as a ghost. And it just looks cheesy to me. I get the concept of it and why you did it. It just did, I just had no buy-in to it. So I didn't, I, I just didn't feel the enjoyment in that final scene with that CGI, I felt it was too predictable. But what? That's that's the plot. I'm getting into it here. But in 
in terms of what you saw for things that were not practical effects, they were okay. In terms of the, the, the people handling the equipment and doing the blasting with the proton packs, uh, they were they they did fine. They handled it as if it had uh, weight and substance to it, which is all you can expect in a movie like that. So I I, I don't want to. Oftentimes I feel like when we do these reviews, we we dog on things and we don't praise them nearly as much as we should. Uh, but in this one, I, I I overwhelmingly just think that the movie was good, right? But not great. And if you if you appreciate the actors and actresses and you appreciate the previous material, you will enjoy this movie too. I mean, I, I guess I grew up in the eighties and nineties, so I'm familiar with those old movies and I like them, but they weren't, they weren't things in the eighties that I look back to and I'm like, this was the best movie ever. I enjoyed them. They were fun. I'd rather watch predator and Robocop if that makes sense, aliens, things like that. So I, I, I think the original source material is good. I think this movie is good. I just, I'm not buying into a lot of the stuff in a hardcore level. So cinematography out of 20, I gave it a 14. Finally, let's touch on the plot. This is where honestly, a lot of our reviews kind of get either broken or held in place. And in this one, it's kind of what I described for you before. So Spangler's got a, a deep knowledge of what's going on. He's super smart, so he isolates himself because he knows bad things are coming to him. And he totally neglects everybody because he knows he's got to save the world. So he completely ignores his daughter and grandchild. And they hate him. They don't hate him. But they strongly dislike him because they've been ignored their whole lives and then all of a sudden they're thrust into the spot where now he's passed away and they have this house and they have to do things and they're both sad and they're both annoyed and depressed but then things pick up and you find you figure out oh there were more things going on what's going on here he was doing it to protect and save the world get out of here okay fine it's it's a cheesy kind of plot line and like I said at the end, when you get the, uh, oh, there's all the old actors and actresses, and they're here to have a part and save the day. It's just kind of a cheesy ending. And the showing up of the ghost, uh, and he's just like, uh, you know, like having that touching moment at the end. To me, it's just uber cheesy. It's It's not bad. It's just really cheesy. And that's why I say... As all these events occur throughout the course of the movie, like we're discovering things that happen. You know, they rehash some of the old plot lines from the original Ghostbusters, right? There's a bad guy coming up, but he needs his heralds and the heralds uh, get taken over by the big brutish dog creature thingies. And Paul Rudd becomes one and Gary Coon becomes one. And then, oh, no, what's going to happen? So it's like the same thing, which once again, if you're a fan of the original cool. They carried on a lot of the similar things, but if you're just looking at it from a different perspective of, yeah, I've seen all this before. I appreciate the callback, but there's nothing too terribly crazy original and very cheesy at the end. Uh, I, I think if you are a, a child of the eighties and ghostbusters is your thing that you will appreciate those callbacks more than what I did. But I, I, 
I, I just take it all with a grain of salt. And although the, the storyline was ultimately very predictable and very cheesy, it wasn't a killer thing, right? It just meant that the, the movie wasn't as good as it could have been. Uh, now, once again, th- this is this is meant to be a, a lighthearted movie with some cheesy little jump scares built in there from time to time. So don't expect this to be, you know, it's kind of like the original. It's a PG-13. There's no, there's no R here. It's not meant to be anything like that. Uh, you can watch it with your kids. Like I said, a couple jump scares on the ghosts are kind of creepy, kind of, but not really. Uh, so it's safe, I think, to watch it with your kids, especially if you've watched the original ones. Uh, if you look at on my plot score, I gave it 13 out of 20 because it's not, it doesn't kill things, but it just doesn't pick it up to where it's something that's unique and crazy. Let's put it that way. So if we do all the adding up and we give it a total score, I gave it a 74. Now, 74, that's actually, that's a good score. If you look at our movie review, 74 is a good score. I feel like I've been ultra negative in this review. And to give it a score of 74 doesn't match what I've been talking about. And I don't want to give that impression. But um, I have no bonus points because I didn't feel like giving any bonus points because where there should have been bonus points, I felt that was too cheesy. And I didn't want to give negative bonus points for the cheesiness. But I did appreciate the callbacks from the cast. It's just that some of them are just out of place and old and decrepit. Anywho, uh, a solid score of 74. That Ray, that rhymes. If only there was a way that I could communicate that score via a a oh a thing that you can log into and share your scores with your friends. Who would create such a thing? I just I just don't know. Maybe we can find information about it on social media. Hey there, Pudding People. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Graham Graham, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding Guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week when it's released. Any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now, our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate, the Film and Television Engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Pudding guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's $1 per month. Per month. Not per day. Per month. <laughs> yes. $12 for a year. Yeah. Uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content 
as we get better equipment to release the content into. And when the Fate engine comes out, it will have its own cost, and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this. And it's going to be so cool. I can't wait for you all to hear about it. And you thought that there wouldn't be any callback to our social media commercial. <laughs> you silly goose. You were wrong. Okay, on to the next review. The second half of our presentation. I have The Northman to review. Now, this movie, I think, is still in theaters at this point, so you can go check it out on a couple screens throughout the country. It's not everywhere like it was, and it really wasn't a powerhouse release, but it's out there. Uh, the reason that I was able to watch it is I have everyone's favorite internet provider, Xfinity. With that, you get Peacock. If you don't know that, now you know. So you can get a pre a Peacock uh, login and watch whatever's on Peacock. So it's pretty solid. So when The Northman came out, you couldn't watch it on anything else other than Peacock. And I was fully anticipating commercials. If I watch The Office, because I'm going through all the seasons of The Office right now, great show. It gets interrupted by commercials all the time. Super annoying, but the commercials only last for like 60 seconds. So it's not the end of the world. I'm just stuck up when it comes to watching shows and having commercials. Uh, but I fully expected a truckload of commercials throughout the course of this movie. Was pleasantly surprised. Was never interrupted once by a single commercial. Watched the movie from start to finish. No commercial breaks thrown in. So kudos to Peacock for not, not throwing in a bunch of commercials for this movie. Now, this particular one, I feel like you see a lot of the uh, action shows and they give you commercials that's like, oh, there's this and there's this. Like, it's this great period piece action show. And with this movie, yeah, it's kind of that. It's okay. If I do a quick spoiler-free thing, if you're going to go watch it in the movie theater, I strongly feel like you're wasting your time and your money. If you have Peacock, and you want to watch it because you looked at it before and you said, no, oh, that doesn't look too bad. Okay, cool. It's two hours of your time and it's okay. End of story. It's nothing spectacular by any stretch of the imagination. Now, if you have a Netflix subscription, you will see that there is, what is it? The Last Kingdom. And it's about Northmen and Vikings and the struggle between... I'm the religion, so I am the law. And then the Vikings come in and say, we're going to kill everybody. And it's like four seasons of five seasons of back and forth and all that nonsense. So I've been watching that going into this. I had been watching that for like the past six months off and on. It it goes through stretches where it's, it's entertaining and stretches where it's just kind of not. And... I guess I feel like in my presentation of how a, a quote, Northman or Viking way of life would be, you get a total different representation of what that life would be in this one. You can also watch uh, Vikings Valhalla, if I'm not mistaken. There's a brand new season of that show, as in it's a new ep new show, new season available for it. So once again, I feel like 
if you have watched those things, your view of what the culture is like is skewed going into watching this movie. And that's what I ran into where they are, let's call them crazy, right? Call them they're They don't buy into the religion and they don't care about life. They kill, they hold slaves. They have a upper echelon of people basically based on, uh, the, the structure of, of royalty, but like it's kill or be killed type of thing. Right. And in the Northmen, you get an over the top view of that particular structure. If you, if you know what I mean. Okay. Let's get into some of the more intricate details, starting with the cast. Now, if you look at the cast on the surface of this, it's got a ton of familiar faces in it, right? And, and and when you see these these folks in here, like Alexander Skarsgård, did anybody see that uh, Saturday Night Live skit? Skarsgård. It's all about pirates and him. Anyway, uh, that that name at least. Uh, but Nicole Kidman. Oh my gosh, Ethan Hawke's in this. Anya Taylor Joy, like. Oh my, Willem Dafoe's in this? Oh my gosh, like there's tons of familiar, high-powered faces in this. And I tell you what, Alexander Skarsgård is great, but in this movie he is okay. Uh, Nicole Kidman in certain things can be great. In this one, she's okay at best. Uh, Ethan Hawke plays like a shaman-type person. And no, 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 no. Ethan Hawke plays the the, the dad. Willem Dafoe plays the shaman. Willem Dafoe's shaman is just like a crazy nutbag. And his presentation is a crazy nutbag. And it's fine. He, he actually did okay. Ethan Hawke played the dad who just gets all chopped up. Um, and you know what? He did fine too. Um, if you saw him recently in Moon Knight. Uh, he had a lot of screen time in Moon Knight, and he was okay in Moon Knight. And he's got a couple other shows coming out here too, but in this one, he doesn't have a lot of screen time. He kind of gets chopped up early, earlier on. But honestly, for what he his uh, part was, he, he did pretty good with, with his. Um, there's another one on here. Uh, I... I love his last name. It's Bang. The Clace. There's a lot of uh, names that Ken would be great with pronouncing on here, but I would just be okay with pronouncing. Clace Bang was in this one. And then Gustav Lind, Elliot Rose. And then, what's he filming? Eldar Scar, Alwyn, Fure, Edgar. So there's a lot of faces that I'm sure are just like killer in in Europe in terms of their presentation on screen but for what we saw or what we are familiar with we're not too familiar with some of these faces although there are some other ones that pop up in here Ken's favorite Bjork is in this one um she's a she's a seer in this one right so she kind of foretells good or bad things that are going to happen uh, there's another face that shows up in here that you uh, may be familiar with. Uh, 
Kate Dickey is in here, and she has been in a handful of items from different movies, but I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, she was in Game of Thrones as a character. Anywho, there's another one, because we're talking about, like, uh, you know, the Northmen, we're talking about that Viking culture, uh, Halfbar Bjornsson, you know, the mountain, he's in it too, and just so many other faces that, like I said, I'm sure are just killer in European theater, but I don't know who they are. Uh, overall, my, my, my thought process on the cast, it it should have been good, but it, I just didn't buy it, man. I just didn't buy it. Uh, Nicole Kidman's character, that was honestly one of my big hesitations in watching this movie to begin with was like, I, I saw the previous of like, she just doesn't look like she belongs. And she just kind of doesn't belong. And uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, she's kind of just a slave in this movie um, because because that's what she becomes. And she's okay, but it's she's not as out of place, I would say, as uh, Nicole Kidman. But uh, it, it's... It's okay. So so the the cast overall is not should be the strong point, but the cast overall is just okay. Uh the main faces that you see honestly are the weakest point, so that's kind of funny, but um out of the 20 score that I could give it, I ended up with a solid 14, if that kind of gives you an idea. So like not the best, but not awful either. Okay director time so this movie tells the story of a person who's a king and then his brother kills him and takes over the throne and the son is there and the son says i will avenge you father and then he goes off and does his own thing for years and years but finally gets the opportunity to get his revenge once he's all grown up. Sounds kind of cheesy, right? Well, yeah, that's what it is. So, if you're going to direct something that's a cheesy story, you got to have a director to kind of push it through beyond the cheesiness, right? And I don't necessarily think that we got that. Um, the trailers make this thing look dope, but the actual movie itself is just, average at best the director robert eggers what has robert eggert done um the witch the lighthouse uh brothers and, and there's just a lot of things that we're not familiar with so but his directing credits are very slim uh he's got a writing credit for this too so he's got to take some of the blame for it being okay and not great in terms of the pacing of this movie, it goes through the story and it has a lull and then it kind of turns around. You think it's exciting, but it's not really exciting. It's just kind of boring and it is what it is. So I I, I, I want to say that this movie could have been so much more. Like make the thing gruesome, gory, aggressive. Make the thing rough and tumble. But she kind of took it with it it could have been like it was to the edge of being like there's fighting and there could be stuff. And it just, it didn't go more than what it should have been. Um, 
in terms of the, the, the presentation, like I said, there was some of the aspects of the, the Viking life that are just presented in this is way over the top. And I don't know. I'm no historian. I don't know what's historically accurate or not. But this just seemed like things were way more over the top than a straight up society filled with Vikings because, you know, I'm from Scandinavia and I know exactly how it was, you know, hundreds of years ago. But anyway, in terms of the direction for that, I gave it a solid 13 out of 20. Uh, next category, location. So what are you going to do? You don't, you're not going to have cityscapes, right? This was set back in the days where you had cabins made of wood that were intricately built and you had the gathering hall and you had residence houses and you have slave houses and you had fortresses with fences around them. All that stuff looked pretty solid, right? So that's more of a props thing, but in the locations, <clears throat> great, a great look with woods and sunlight and dark and foggy and cold and warm that, you know, like let's have this, have a great look with breaths and shadows and stuff. So in terms of the overall look and feel of the locations for this particular show, I think that stuff turned out pretty solid. I can't really complain about anything that looked out of place from the rivers to the forests. Um, out of 10, it's, it's hard to really comment and go deeper on this because it's not, it's intricate because it sets up the landscape and the time period, but it, there's not much to tell other than it did a good job and it wasn't uh, distracting because it was bad. So out of 10 points, I gave it eight points. Next category, the props. It's technically costuming and props too. Um, I guess I didn't mention that in terms of the 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 Ghostbusters movies because the the the, the suits that you got mirrored the original suits for the Ghostbusters, and those were pretty those were pretty cool. In the Northmen, it's it's winter time, so furs galore, or it's summertime, and you have you know, just your, your undies on, or you have sandals and everything's made out of animal hides because that's how you did it, right? Those things look pretty good. And in terms of the weapons, you had different types of, of implements to kill people with, and those look pretty good. And you had boats, and those look pretty good. And you had baskets that you carried things around in. And you had, like I said, the homes where the slaves were at or where the gathering hall was. And those all look pretty good. Uh, it, I, I want to say that they actually did a pretty good job focusing on that because although I, I will tell you my score is an 8 out of 10, you could tell that there was a lot of work put into getting those things to look good. Did they look great? I can't tell you that. But they look, th this one, one, this one could have been really easily a bad score had you not put the time and effort into making this look good for the time that you were trying to present. So that eight out of 10 actually is, is praising the effort that was put in because there's so many, you know, low tech things that you have to build and create for this to make it look authentic without it looking cheesy or bad. And you, they definitely put the effort into it. So Eight to me sounds like a low score, but really isn't. It's a, it's a pretty solid score. Okay, on to the cinematography. All right. 
I'm really going to focus on one thing in this in terms of the the visuals. Okay, so there's a scene um, and this is more of a plot point. Like I said, okay, he's a kid. He just watched his dad get get chopped up um, and he's got to escape because they're going to come and chop him up, too. And so he does escape. And he goes into another land where he grows up. And he grows up as basically a grunt in uh, a clan. But he's really good at his job, right? He's a good soldier. He's a great soldier. And part of this is a march onto a castle and them attacking the castle. And the camera pans along with them as bolts are flying by, as spears are flying by, and other people are getting chopped down. And he's just with like no no facial expression just going at it right but it's the way the camera presents it as how would your army attack this this fort fortress i'm i'm saying it like it's a huge place it's got a wood uh, a wood wall that you had to scale get in and do some killing and chopping and this was a straightforward, we're going to go and we're going to just overpower it by manpower, skill, and brute force. So that whole scene and look actually was pretty darn solid. That was one of the highlights that I remember from this particular movie. Now, the thing that I want to focus on, because you saw a lot of fight scenes, and particularly with Skarsgård, the fight scenes were choreographed and executed by robots it's just he's big he's ripped he's a great actor he's just not a great sword fighter person dude so a lot of these if you watch them they're very calculated slow moving here's a swing you missed i'm gonna swing i got you flip done next person so when your epic thing is a fight scene and your fight scenes don't look exciting they just look like they have been going through the routines and practicing them and this is the best that you can get with them that's very distracting in this type of movie and that's all you ever saw were were just forced movements and things that just didn't look like i'm going to be this person and I've trained for this my entire 20, 30 years of life because I'm a killing person. It, it just looks, everything looks forced. And to me, it was such a detractor for this movie because those were supposed to be intricate scenes. Um, it, other than that, the camera angles were fine. The lighting was fine. What you saw on things were fine, but it's such, I'm, I'm knocking this cinematography section so much because of these fight scenes that were so, to me, detracting and doesn't give a good view of what everything actually turned out to be. And I'm really just dogging this very badly and I apologize. But anyway, it distracted me personally. And if you haven't seen it and you watch this after you listen to it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, cinematography, like I said, I dogged it hard. 12 out of 20 for that particular category. Now, the plot. The plot isn't anything out of the ordinary, like I said. It's, um, you killed my father. And who killed the father? Your uncle. 
I'm going to kill you. Um, I promise, father. And then you cut to years later where you're all grown up and you're a you're a fighter person. And then it turns out, oh, there's slaves going to guess who? They're going to be sold to your uncle. Okay, I'm going to take off all my Viking clothes, put on slaves clothes, and I'm going to brand myself and go be a slave so I can infiltrate and go kill my uncle. Okay, that I mean that's All right, that that's fine. Like that's I'm making it off worse than what it is, but like that's fine. That's cool. Um, so he infiltrates and he gets the chance to go free his mother. But guess what? It was the mother that said, kill him. I love you, uncle. Like that was the plot twist. And then she's got a son now. And that son uh, is crazy and tried to uh, kill the North. Tried to kill Skarsgård, Skarsgård with a knife and like stabbed him a whole bunch of times and it was like, Mother, what are you doing to me? I hated him. I wanted him dead. It's like, get out of here, man. It's just, it was a really cheesy plot twist. So, there's your spoiler, I guess. Uh, anyway, he says, fine, Mother, you stay here. And then I'm going to go kill Uncle. And so they have this battle, right? They're surrounded by flames. I forget because it's forgettable. I forget where the what the setup is, but they're surrounded by flames and they have this fight and fighting and fighting. And at the end, they fight so hard they just kill each other. The end. Like what a what a cop out. What a boring end to a movie. In a very poorly coordinated fight scene between Skarsgård and Bang. And, and, and then they just kill each other. And get out of here, man. It was so disappointing, the ending. The first half of the movie at least carried weight and was pretty decent. And then it just, just tapered off to that crescendo of a doo-doo ending. So... Once again, if you invested your time in this movie and you watch it, you'll know exactly what I mean. And I was just very, very disappointed by what happened at the end. So the plot, I had to give a 13 out of 20 just because it, it could, the, the original storyline was good, but it was just such a letdown at the end. Such a letdown. Uh, anywho... If we look at the total score for The Northman, Northman, it is 68. And and being a, a D-plus score, it doesn't mean the movie was awful. I, I feel like I dog on these movies so much. It just means it wasn't good. And in this case, it wasn't as good as it should have been. The movie had potential. It just didn't live up to that potential. So, what do you guys think? We ask for feedback, and I'm sad face. We don't get it. If I put something on the Instagram and I say, hey, we watched this movie. Here's the grade. What were your thoughts? Would we get feedback? I don't know. I asked for that feedback a month ago, and I was sad faced because I didn't get any. Um, 
really you can go if you're if you're not a social media person i totally get it it's just it's a it's a culture thing and not everybody's into that culture we hardly are to be honest with you but it's a means to an end we have a website where you can give feedback that would be cool don't have to have an account don't have to have anything you can just type in hey listen to that review uh awesome dude or if you go to Apple Music and you just leave some feedback, that's cool too. Or if you're on Spotify and you leave feedback, that's that's cool too. We just want a little bit of a heads up. Hey, how are we doing? What did you think about this movie? I said it was a 68. All your scores added up to an 88 because you thought the movie was super awesome. Well, why? Why was your score so much higher than what my score was? Um, that's all I got. We love the fact that you're actually listening to us. You're actually listening to me and yammer on about nonsense. But if you have the opportunity, you have stars. Hey, you can watch this one movie. If you have if you have Xfinity and you didn't know you can get Peacock for free because you already have Xfinity, then you can go on and watch The Northman, Northman, uh, The Office, and a lot of other cool things. Until next time and uh, that next time is a super dope interview that Ken has done with actor Jaden Kane. So come back next week for another great episode. Mm-hmm.